Hello and welcome to Map Bites, episode 43. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Elaine Giles. And in this episode... Bootsman, there's a moose loose about this hoose. But another week, another Aperture update, yeah? Oh, indeed. In fact, two, two updates since the last show. Uh, first one was infinitesimal compared to the second one, which, although the point release is only 3.0.2, it's rather major. So um, I'm hopeful, shall we say. Have you tried it yet? No, I've not installed it yet, but there is good reason for that, which will be ma- become apparent as we move through the show. Okay. Uh, we mentioned something last episode about Rucksack, didn't we? Um, it was It was free for a while to mark its launch. Now That's right, and you didn't get a license, I, did you? I didn't get a license. I think I applied three times to get a license. But you didn't get any reply at all to any of those um, requests, did you? I didn't, know. You had more luck, though, sort of. Oh, my, mine came through straight away, um, but then I was probably one of the first few. Uh, but a friend of mine on Twitter tweeted out a link. So I followed this link and um, I was expecting a sort of form for you to fill in in case you didn't get your license. And what I found was a license lookup. And I thought my first thought was, are they mad? Because all it was, um, I expected to have to fill a form in and it go away and send the license to the registered email address. But knowing that you hadn't had yours, I put your email address in and bang, the license came straight up. Oh, great. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> so I went back to this uh, friend on Twitter, who's actually a software developer, and said, whoa, you know, that's a, a little insecure, isn't it? And he came back and said, good grief, you're right, I didn't think of that. So um, I tweeted the company and said, how about making it a little bit more secure? And I, did, I didn't get a reply, surprisingly enough, but um, I think that's bad form. It is. It's, I mean, your email's pretty public, isn't it? It is. It's a bit like, um, you know, ent- if you, you know, if you've forgotten your password, uh, put your email address in here and we'll uh, display it on screen for you. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's very, very bad form. And they don't usually do it like that, companies, do they? They usually have um, like a double check involved. Yeah. So I thought that was particularly bad. But as I say, I didn't get a reply and... Um, that would worry me in the future for that. It's not particularly that I'm thinking somebody will come along and steal my serial number, but, you know, it's quite conceivable when that goes to be a paid-for product that if that system's still in place, you can just keep trying email addresses until you get a good one and get somebody else's serial number. Ridiculous. <laughs> you actually... Well, actually, they must have the email address registered. I was I was going to say maybe you put in any email address and it just throws back a randomly generated license key. I see I seriously hope not, but you know, the way that company are going, it wouldn't actually surprise me. Uh better news I think with uh, MiFi unlocking. Yes, last week uh, we mentioned unlocking uh, MiFi's and I said, you know, if anybody else has got any other ideas and um, somebody sent me a link to techwatch.co.uk and what is listed on that page, which we'll put in the show notes, is some free alternatives because the one I mentioned was a paid for thing and apparently there are free alternatives and what is the, the main one that people seem to want to unlock is the one that three supply. Um, because they were really one of the few places who got on the ball with that. I know we looked around, didn't we? And you, you went into Vodafone and it was like, what's a MiFi? <laughs> so um, I think three are selling them right right and left at the moment. So uh, that seems to be the one that people want to unlock. And uh, there are free alternatives. I said, what's a MiFi? And I said, the thing that three are selling. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't motivate them though, really, did no. it? Oh, right. OK, then. So uh, not good at all. Another thing we mentioned last week was um, a graphics application called Aviary that runs in a browser. And this week, similar, but not quite the same. Um, It's similar in terms of it's graphics related and it's free online, but it's quite different in that skill is not required. It's an application called Flame that runs in a browser. Um, Be aware if you don't, you need to not block your pop-ups. If you do, then you won't be able to save the file. But what you can do is you can create quite nice looking graphics very, very easily just by squiggling on the screen. So sort of the level you're at, I would imagine. Uh, Yes, you know what it reminded me of? Etch-a-sketch. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you can you don't have to do it in straight lines though, which you do with extra sketch. It's much more colourful and um, fluid. Yeah, shall there were some cool examples there, wasn't there? Dragons. Oh, there was some like really that. nice stuff that people had done. I was very impressed with that. But uh, it's it's the kind of thing you that anybody could go along to and just sort of do some squiggles, and it looked quite artistic. Anybody by um, anybody you mean me? Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> like we know what you're like with graphics. So <laughs> give it your lane. Yeah. 
So yeah, I was impressed with that. You could make something quite nice. Um, the only problem, like I say, that I had was I clicked the save button and nothing happened. This was a good couple of weeks back. Um, and I thought, well, it's just not working. Uh, but apparently it, it puts up a dialog box. Um, well, it now puts up a message on the screen, which it didn't when I first tested it. So I thought, well, there's no point mentioning this because I can't seem to save anything. But it now mentions and says, I'm going to open up another window. So if nothing happens, you've probably blocked pop-ups. So if you unblock your pop-ups and you click this button and it, it takes maybe sort of five or six seconds to generate it, uh, your work of art opens in another window, quite large, and you can save it. So um, it's nice to have a play with. Very nice. Yeah, nice, nice toy. And it, it's Java based as well. I noticed um, the, the little Java symbol comes up because it, it took a little bit time to load when I did it uh, tonight. And uh, so it's, it's going to be cross cross browser, cross platform, which. What you mean is it's not Flash. It's not Flash, yes. Yeah. Which will please all our listeners, no doubt. Uh, Mac users who tend to be anti Flash. But there you go. Now on to new toys. New toys, yes. First I knew was a call to say that you were at the Apple Store. Well, yes. You were lucky my arrival wasn't tweeted first, actually. And that doesn't surprise me. Yes. Um, I ended up at the Arndale store and no, I hadn't taken leave of, leave of my senses and returned to the Trafford Centre. It was um, the Manchester Arndale store in the middle of Manchester uh, because I'd had a chat with the business department and I'd been promised much better service. Well, it couldn't have got worse, could it? Well, no, that was my thinking as well. So I, I hot-footed it down there on the promise of this said good service. So um, I was on the lookout for, for nice toys. And uh, what I did actually buy was a new 27-inch iMac. Ooh. And what was your thinking behind buying that now? Well, uh, my 24-inch, I've, I've mentioned it a few times. It's at the very beginning of having trouble with the screen, like the last one. Um, the problems I was having with the screen were screen corruption, um, which manifests itself as lines going across the screen, lines going across applications, and just general corruption. So it, it looks like, you know when you lose the picture on a digital TV and you get squares? Yeah. It looked like that. And I, I, I looked at it and I thought, oh no, this feels like the beginning of that happening. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to fail in the next couple of days. The last one took months and months to get that bad that I could actually take it back. But what was then happening with this one was it was freezing. So it's it, the symptom was like a kernel panic, which I know you've had a couple yourself this week. Mm. But it wasn't giving me any feedback at all that it had crashed. It clearly had crashed. But the screen didn't dim. I didn't get the kernel panic message in the middle of it. Just nothing. The only way that I knew it had crashed was either to try moving the mouse and nothing happened at all. The, the screen was just completely frozen. Or if there was music or sound playing at the time, that that got like stuck. So instead of it carrying on playing music, it would just go and it was completely stuck. Sounds like my kind of music. Yeah, the only thing I could do with it then was turn it off and on again, which caused its own problems. Because when you've got external drives on it, when you turn it off and on again, it can remount the drives with a different name, which means that some applications can't find the drives. So then, for instance, you know, it's looking for your iTunes library and it can't find it, and there's all kinds of problems. And I can't work like that. I need to be able to trust it. Um, when we did a live show uh, two, three weeks ago, the machine died right at the beginning of it. And I can't work like that. Obviously, I can't work with it crashing. But the thing is, I can't work thinking it might crash either when I've no idea what's wrong with it. And if I have to take it out of play, as it were, and start rebuilding it and generally troubleshooting it, then I need a working machine. So that was the idea. Now, I was thinking about it at that stage, thinking, you know, is now the time to buy? Do I want this one? Do I want that one? Should I get a temporary machine? Because although there is definitely something wrong with this iMac, taking it back's not an option because I can't predict when it will happen. And that was what was wrong the last time I took it back. As you know, last time I took it back, you only had to have it on 10 minutes before you could say there was something wrong with it, but they couldn't find it. And with this one, sometimes it sits there for five or six days with no problem at all. So there's no point taking it back yet. I need to do a sort of new compave, see if the problems are still there, test it to the best of my ability and see if I can force this issue, at which point then I can take it in. But I can't do that if I need to use the machine. So I was thinking about it. And while I was thinking about it, my secondary monitor died. 
So that sort of fell off the end of the desk as well. Not literally, I'm pleased to say, but it did completely die. Um, I'd had lines on it for a while. And then this particular day, um, and the, the other problem I had with that was if I turned it off, it wouldn't turn on again. I had to reboot the machine. So this particular morning, um, I wiggled the mouse. It woke up the secondary monitor and it was dark, very, very dark. You could barely see a picture on it. So I thought, right, that's gone. Anyway, it lasted all day until I decided I would reboot the machine and see if that did any good, at which point the monitor wouldn't turn on at all. So at that point, I thought, right, well, you either need a computer, you need a monitor, you need something, you need to do something. And I started looking at the price of monitors because my secondary monitor matched my 24-inch iMac. It was 1920 by 1200, um, which is 1610. And there aren't many of those about. A lot of the monitors now are 16.9. So they are 1920 by 10,000 by 1080 pixels. So I started checking and then I started thinking, well, what resolution is that nice 27-inch iMac? And that is um, 2560 by 1440. And they were a little bit expensive. Uh, the only one I could find, I could only find the one, it was a Dell and it was £960 for just the monitor, which made the iMac look fantastic value. So I started then having a look at all the equipment I'd got and seeing what I could jiggle to get the best out of it rather than go and spend money on just a monitor or and still have a broken iMac or whatever. So um, I moved my 24-inch iMac into the studio. I got a new 27-inch to put in the office and the monitor that was on the, the mini which was in my studio became the secondary monitor so I didn't actually have to replace the monitor so it actually worked out quite effective really. <laughs> yeah and it's a wonder you didn't actually come home with uh, two iMacs one to be a spare monitor. Um, as it happens I did actually think of that. Sadly it didn't work or it won't work. I did think of it because on the back of it, it has a mini display port and it's not just an, um, an in, it's also an out. Well, usually they're an out, but this one's an in as well. So if you've got a laptop, you can plug your laptop into your iMac and your um, MacBook will display on the iMac screen, which is brilliant. And I wondered if one iMac could be plugged into another iMac, which would be brilliant because that would give me redundancy as well, but it didn't work. It works with a Mini, it works with a Mac Pro, it works with a MacBook Pro, it even works with a MacBook. It just doesn't work with an iMac. Um, I did actually, well, that was one of the questions I had when I rang up to talk to him, and um, the guy listened and said sort of, oh yeah, I think it'd be okay, you know, because it works with a Mini and it works with this and works with that. And I said, but on the back of it, instead of it having two display ports, one being an in and one being an out, it's bi-directional. It's all wrapped up into one port. So how does it know? How does it know whether it's an input or an output that's needed? Unless there's a software switch in OS X, you know, special to, to that iMac. So, you know, like sometimes you get a pad option if, if you install OS X on a laptop. Unless it knows that, oh, this is an iMac and it's got that port and you can enable it to be an out or an in, then it isn't going to work. It's going to create an endless loop. And that's exactly what it, it would do. Um, he had to go away and check with the genius who came back and said, great idea, won't work in practice. I'm not the only one, apparently, who is thinking that because I then started Googling it and other people saying that would be so cool. But no, it, it doesn't work for that. Of course, only buying the one, <clears throat> notice the only in there. There are rumours of new displays coming from Apple, aren't there? And they look very nice and it would really match, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would look gorgeous, wouldn't it? Um, and the spending didn't stop there, did it? No, but it wasn't a, a huge 27-inch monitor that I talked about for June, so I'm going to have to wait for that. But I did take the RAM in the new machine up from the 4 gig it ships with to 8. But I luckily didn't do that at the Apple Store. I think the price for that was nearly £200. I got my RAM from Crucial as usual. Yeah, I find the, the memory is a right rip-off at Apple, isn't it? It is. I know they fit it and everything, but... I also really didn't, you, you know, you want your unboxing, don't you? Yeah. You don't want it whipping out on the Genius Bar with, with snotty-nosed kids coming around sniffing at it. So, um, <laughs> no, I didn't. I opted for the crucial uh, option and brought it home and uh, fitted it. So I had a couple of days with it at 4 gig, and you really can tell the difference to 8. You know, I wouldn't fancy picking up a 27-inch iMac and then laying it face down to fit the memory. That is what they recommend to do. Um, there's a page on Apple's site that recommends that. And I think the instructions from Crucial say the same. But I didn't do that. It's just far too heavy. Uh, what I opted to do, I also didn't fancy, you know, the screen's fine at the moment. And I didn't fancy putting it face down on anything. 
Um, I moved it to the edge of the desk and I tilted it backwards and that seemed to work very very well. It's pretty simple. You just um, unscrew the three screws that hold a metal plate on the bottom. There are four slots inside it, two are empty and there's two plastic tabs as well. Um, like not, not stiff tabs, they're just like rather thick plastic bags and uh, you have to take those out of the way, push in the memory and you're done. Just tuck these plastic tabs back in, three screws back in and that's it. So um, that went relatively easily. You do have to sort of bend down to get underneath it, but it's much easier than putting it face down. So you've had it a week. How's it going? It's gorgeous. The screen is just beautiful. It really is. Um, I I wondered how, how it would differ really from a 24 inch. You know, it's on the one hand, it's only three inches, but on the other, the resolution is much higher. And I must say the screen is to die for. It is beautiful. Um, you can really start to, with it, with it sitting next to a 24 inch, you can really see the difference. The resolution of my secondary monitor is the same as the old iMac. And side by side with a 27 inch, there really is no comparison. You can have so many more windows open or work with windows much bigger and actually see more. So when I'm working with GarageBand and things like that, you actually get a much, much better view to it. So the screen itself is absolutely gorgeous. Obviously having put the extra memory in and I went for the i7 model, uh, it's very, very fast. And there's a couple of things that I hadn't heard mentioned because everybody said the screen's gorgeous and it's very, very fast. But there's a couple of things I noticed straight away that I hadn't heard mentioned anywhere else. I plugged in the same speakers I had in the 24-inch iMac and the sound, I th it, it blew me away. I thought, whoa, that is really different. It was deeper, it was richer, it sounded more like a high-end stereo system than the old one did. And the old one wasn't bad, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't as though the old one didn't have any speakers. Um, they, they were plugged into the same external speakers as the new one and there really was a noticeable difference. And I said to you, come and listen to it. And then you noticed the difference as well. I didn't did, you? yeah, it, it just sounded much better. Mm. The thing I didn't think I'd, I was, you know, I certainly wasn't overexcited about was the SD card slot on the side. Um, I thought, yeah, fair enough, nice touch, okay. But I wasn't that excited about it. But then I'm, I took a card out and I had, quite a few pictures on it, a few gig. And I thought, oh, where's the card? And I thought, oh, there's one on the side now. So I put the card in and wow, that flew as well. It's much, much faster than my card reader. And I have upgraded my card reader over the years. So it's not particularly slow, the one I, I had, but um, the one on the iMac is much, much quicker. So that was much improved as well. So I thought that was um, something that I wouldn't really have looked at twice um, in the spec. It really wouldn't have moved me one way or the other, but it is actually a very good addition to it. So you sound really happy with it, but uh, I've got to ask, any gotchas? Oh, there's always gotchas. <laughs> this, this one I didn't see coming. Um, I've got a Shuttle Pro 2, which is um, an editing device, which I've taught myself to use left-handed, which means I can keyboard um, with my right hand or mouse with my right hand and edit with, with my left on the Shuttle Pro. Um, I'd had no problems at all with that when I installed Snow Leopard from scratch, clean install, on the 24-inch iMac. And that was the week that Snow Leopard was, was released. But this one refused to recognise it at all. Um, it was plugged in, I installed the software, ran the software, and it just couldn't find it. So I looked it up, and yes, there was a newer version, which was a beta, so I thought, well, I better download this because there's just nothing else I can do. You know, unplugging it, plugging it in, reinstalling it, clean reinstalling it, nothing made a difference. It just couldn't find it for some reason. Um, so I'm running on this beta software, and that seems to have cured the problem. It can find it, and it is working. I don't know if it's a knock-on effect of the fact that the, the version that was on my old 24-inch iMac is different to, the, to this beta version, but I can't seem to export my settings from the old computer to the new one. It's exporting them and it can re-import them on the 24 inch, but the 27 inch isn't recognizing the files as being settings files, which was a problem because you have lots of setting files, one per application. In fact, you can actually have more than one per application. So if, you, if you're using GarageBand, say, you could have a podcasting editing set and a music editing set. So you could be bringing in an infinite number of these things. So I thought, well, this isn't really good enough. So what, I mean, I need another way to do it. And the way I found to do it was ridiculous. Logical, but ridiculous. I exported um, a set, a default set, from the 27-inch. I exported a set from the 24-inch. 
Then I opened both files on the 27 inch, just open them up in a text editor. Has to be a text editor, you can't use TextMate, um, not TextMate, text edit in um, RTF format. So just a text editor. And I copied everything that was in the set of the 24 inch and pasted it into the file from the 27 inch and then imported it in it like that. Genius. Now that's, that's just ridiculous though, isn't it? it? Is. Um, all I was doing, yeah, I was creating really um, a framework to paste it into. So for some reason, it recognised the file on one machine and not on the other. So it's a long-winded way of doing it, but it's actually probably quicker than setting the thing up from scratch. There's about 15 to 20 buttons on it and you'd have to reset each one. So uh, that was a bit of a workaround. The other problem I had, which wasn't a big problem, but a minor annoyance. Um, I have Steer Mouse and I wanted to transfer my settings from that. But I thought it would be a far better idea to put them in Dropbox um, and then use them on both machines. And that sort of worked and then it failed. I created um, a symbolic link to the file in Dropbox. It worked on one machine, but what seems to be happening is as you access it on another um, the symbolic link is getting changed and it goes back to the default location. Now, I'd really like it if Steermouse had an export all my settings option, which it doesn't appear to have. But you can take the plist file and transfer it between machines. So I managed to do that as well. So those two were just minor glitches. But then there was iTunes. You know what's coming down. I do. <gasps> iTunes, yes. The iTunes transfer fiasco part... 39 or something like that it's been nine months and i said didn't i a few shows ago i've cracked it now <laughs> i've beaten it into submission i said and i thought i had everything was working apart from the mobile applications folder um, i have the mobile applications folder in the correct place but it refuses point blank to see it. So I then had to put a symbolic link to it from where it wanted to put it. Um, the, the old problem was when I installed iTunes 9, it went mad and it moved all my files and folders to all the wrong places. I decided to run that option that you did that worked perfectly for you, didn't it? It did. Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? Mm. Uh, it didn't for me. Uh, and it's a one-time deal. It's the option to upgrade your folder structure. And I really like the new folder structure. It's very organised and everything. And I had to do it all by hand. And it took ages and ages. Um, I've just checked. My iTunes library, is, I thought it was 600 gig. It's actually increased. It's nearer 800 gig now. I think it's time to prune stuff myself. But um, it worked after a fashion, after I imported everything manually, which was why it took me nine months. It was a long, long time. So I decided this time, rather than try and fiddle, I would move the control files that I had put on the Macintosh HD in my documents, uh, no, not documents, music folder, iTunes thing. I thought I'll put these control files on the external drive with all the media. And that's when the trouble started, wasn't it? Yes. Um, it appeared to be OK. It really did. It worked. Um, things were in the right place, it opened up the library, it appeared to be okay. So I played some stuff, I downloaded some new podcasts, I downloaded a couple of audiobooks, and then I thought, I, I, in fact I don't know why actually, but I, th I, I think it's me not trusting it. I decided I'd just open a finder window and just have a look, you know, preen myself at my organised files to find that iTunes had started moving stuff again. And I jumped back in complete horror. I checked all the right boxes the ones that says keep it organized and you know name everything properly i had checked everything double checked it and triple checked it everything was fine but it was still moving them to odd places for no good reason at all and you didn't have to move it yourself all you had to do was from itunes play a file so if i've got an album and i play track number four it moved it it moved number four in the folder structure out of the neatly organised folder structure, it recreated um, a folder for the album underneath a folder for the artist and then moved just the one file that you had played. And I thought it can't be doing this. You know, it can't be. But I could tell from the files that it had moved that that's exactly what it was doing. So I actually played it and let you have a look, didn't mm -hmm. I? And as soon as I started playing a, a song or a podcast or anything, it moved it. So back to the drawing board with that one. I decided um, to have a look at the run once option. There's a run once option that allows you to upgrade the library structure to the new structure. Now, I'd already run that on the old machine. 
And that was part of my problem. I really needed to run it twice on the old machine and then it would have done it for me. But you cannot do that. It just will not allow it. So I thought I don't particularly have an option here. There are two options. You go to file library and then you've got an organise option and it brings up a dialog box with two options in it. You either tell it to tidy the library up um, or you take this option to upgrade the media folder structure. And I thought, well, I shouldn't really have to do that. I've already done it once. But I thought, well, how much worse can it get? And then before I answered that question and scared myself to death, I ran it again. I ran the same option and bracing myself, I sort of opened one eye and watched it and it put all these files that it had moved to the wrong place back to where I wanted them. So it worked. But more than that, it was a good job I did it because it worked and it worked completely. I no longer needed the symbolic link for the mobile apps folder. So all was well then? It was. Until the drive, the, the one that now contains all the iTunes media and the iTunes control file, ejected itself, declaring... Independence? Uh, not exactly. <laughs> it's self-corrupt, sadly. Uh, but it was all backed up, though, wasn't it? Well, it was, apart from one file that I'd only just downloaded. I'd just downloaded an audio book, and, of course iTunes does that itself. It's from the iTunes store. iTunes does it itself. It puts it in the right location. Um, well, hopefully it puts it in the right location. No, no, positive thinking, girl. It did put it in the right location, but then the drive declared independence, as you're saying, and, and that was the end of that. Yeah, Apple used to let you actually re-download music and audio uh, books from iTunes, um, but I did a bit of research on it for you, and they don't do that anymore. No, which I thought was a bit mean because, well, obviously in my circumstances, I thought that was incredibly mean. I think really it would be better if they gave you seven days to, to, to re-download stuff. Um, you know when you buy software from places and they say this is a link that's valid for the next seven days, yeah. 14 days? I think that would be a little bit fairer. You know, at least give me a chance to back the thing up. It literally ejected itself like two minutes after I bought the file. Um, alternatively, what about three downloads and you're out or something like that? Um I suppose the only thing left to do would be to put in a manual request to Apple and then maybe they could say, well, you know, OK, just this once or maybe twice. So put a, a limit on the number of requests. But I think what were, what I would have to have done if I hadn't been able to get it back was just maybe if you ask nicely, they might sort of send it to you. But there's no guarantee anymore. Pretty please. And, um, yeah, I, it doesn't come easily to me, that, does it? <laughs> Uh, but I th I was thinking, you know, you're either going to have to repurchase this or you're going to have to ask really, really nicely. And I didn't really want to ask really, really nicely. Not for something I'd only just bought. Good grief. Plus the fact it was iTunes that was um, causing the problems. But you found other people had lost way more than me. Yeah, when I was uh, looking through forums to try and find an answer, um, some people had lost like 1,500 quid or $1,500 worth of, of music and films that they bought and downloaded so uh, i suppose you were lucky in a way with it only being one um you know looking at it through sort of devil's advocate i suppose if you bought a record from a record shop and you know it had met with an accident on the way home do you think they replace it free of charge i think it would depend on um the circumstances i suppose uh depending on how much you'd bought i mean if you've lost thousands um Depends on how you bought it. I mean, if you'd spent over £100, your credit card company will probably replace it for you. True. Um, which is why there is a £100 limit on a credit card replacement, because they don't want claims for things for £10 from the iTunes store, do they? Mm. Um, I still think they should allow something. Um, if you think about the way Audible works, you have your library online and you can download from them any time you want. So if you lose them, uh, you can just re-download right back to the beginning of your account. Now, I'm not suggesting that Apple do that because they've probably got far more customers than Audible have. And people would start using it as sort of free online backup. But I don't see any harm in allowing seven days for a download, because if you haven't backed up in seven days, then it's your own fault. Um, luckily, everything else was backed up apart from this one file. I was able to um, get this drive back to the extent that I could find this single file and I did have the rest of it completely backed up um, as the whole thing the, ho the whole drive was backed up and I also had interim backups of pretty much everything else as well needless to say now of course I now have three copies of my iTunes library on three separate one terabyte drives 
So um, I'm sorted, I think. So at the moment, it's 15 love to me. <laughs> you also noticed something else, didn't you, whilst you were doing that? Yeah, I was trying to do comparisons to see if there were any problems with any of the files. I had files open at the time, so I wanted to check whether they were OK. And I noticed that um, the size of the files doesn't match um, between Snow Leopard and iTunes anymore. So, you know, when Snow Leopard was released, they changed how the file sizes were calculated. That's right, yeah. Well, that uses the new system and iTunes is still using the old system, which is a gotcha without the ITV software as well. Um, you can look at a file and think, oh, right, that's, you know, 4.5 gig. That will fit on a DVD. And then you put the DVD in and no, it won't, because that's an old 4.5 and not a new 4.5. So there, there is a discrepancy with um, the ITV. There was also originally a discrepancy in, in Pathfinder, but they fixed it. So it seems to have to be programmed in each individual application. So I was trying to compare what I was seeing in my library with what I was seeing in the Finder and the file sizes are so different. I gave up on that and just backed up the whole lot again. Like one plus one equals three, isn't it? Well, I was finding that anyway, but I thought it was me. <laughs> so I'm saying iTunes and I are in a constant sparring battle with each other and I'm winning at the moment. So I dread to think what's going to happen tomorrow because once it knows I'm winning, that'll be the end of that. Whilst we're talking about iTunes, something I spotted this week is a programme called Unify. It's actually an air app, so um, you, know, you can install it pretty easily. Uh, what it does is it allows seamless transfer of iTunes playlists and albums to Spotify. So the way I tried it, I had both apps open and I just dragged and dropped my um, some albums and some playlists from iTunes into this Unify window. And what it does is it marks any tracks that it can't find and marks any tracks that it can find because you know, obviously you, you're going to find, I would think, some tracks that aren't on Spotify. And it means that you can have all your playlists or as far as you can get, um, taking into consideration what I've just said, uh, but you could have your playlist with you in Spotify um, on the move, as it were. So it doesn't actually transfer any music? It doesn't transfer any music, no. It's just the playlists. It's a good way to get your playlists from iTunes, though, to Spotify. Mm, yeah. I can't think of another way to do that. No. It doesn't import, does it? No. That actually looks really cool. I might have to invest in that. It's free as long as you're happy with just five tracks from each playlist or album that you transfer. Well, you might be happy if I only have five <laughs> tracks from each of my playlists, but I don't think I would. Well, yeah, it's only one ninety nine. Oh, well, that's definitely worth trying then. Absolutely. When, when iTunes and I are seeing eye to eye and we're best friends again, I shall invest in a toy for it. You've actually been using Spotify this week, haven't you? I have. Of course, I had to because iTunes wasn't behaving itself. So if I wanted any music, um, I was listening to Spotify while trying to beat iTunes into submission with a stick. And it worked very well. Of course, Spotify can't do everything um, because I couldn't synchronise my phone with it. And if I wanted applications, I either had to download them straight to the phone um, or wait to synchronise uh, with my iTunes installation, which I did manage to do finally. And uh, anybody following me on Twitter will be aware of just how long that took. It took uh, now, obviously, it was an initial uh, synchronisation because I'd, I'd moved machines. Uh, the, I don't think it should have taken this long, though. It took seven hours, 19 minutes. You timed it bang on, did you? Well, I gave up and went to bed after about three hours. And I thought, well, I, I, I need a phone with me. So I dug out my old one and I couldn't work out how... To, well, I didn't know. I could turn it on. I had no clue how to get the thing on silent. I knew there was a button on the side. Sadly, there were seven buttons on the side and I had no idea which order to press them in to make it go silent. And I'm sat there looking at it thinking, is it really only 18 months since you actually used this thing as a phone? <laughs> <laughs> because I could barely turn it on. You really do get spoilt with an iPhone, don't you? You do. There was no way I was going to attach it to the Mac and get it to synchronise with anything, put it like that. So um, I, I had to give that up as a bad job. So what happened was I got up in the morning and it was still going. So um, it finished about 10 minutes after I sat there looking at it, drumming my fingers on the desk. So it, it took all told seven hours, 19 minutes. Of course, now I've had to jiggle the drives again with my iTunes. I'm facing the same thing again i shall report back on how long this second initial transfer takes and hopefully it won't take that long but i'm not holding my breath if it involves itunes i am not holding my breath with it 
Uh, but still with iTunes, um, they have brought in, Apple have had a great idea of bringing in um, gifting iPhone apps. It is country specific, which is sad because I think it's such a fabulous idea. And now we all know people all over the world, it would be great to be able to send gifts like that. It would be far easier than gift cards and all that sort of thing. I do think for that to work, it would work even better if you could make your wish list public, which I don't think you can, can you? No, I don't think so. I've got a couple of items on my wish list. I couldn't see a way to make either it anything public, either on an item by item basis or just you make the whole wish list public. So that that would be the logical next step, I think. I think it'd be great for the more expensive apps like on one's DSLR camera remote. Um, that's one I quite like the look of, and it's eleven pounds ninety nine. So. Maybe not for the 59p things that people tend to try anyway, but for the more expensive things, I think that would be an absolutely great idea. <clears throat> hint, hint. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, talking of cameras, uh, Fujifilm. I've got a Fuji, I've got a fine pix, but not this one. I've got an older model. Uh, Fujifilm, Fu, uh, Fujifilm's new fine pix Z700 aims to make pet photographs easier by being the first camera to offer facial recognition for dogs and cats and it can automatically snap photos for you when the pet is uh, looking at the camera is this an april fools <laughs> well i don't think mayor ever looks at the camera well no he immediately turns his back on it mm, he's not camera friendly is he no he's not so how does this facial recognition thing give you a better picture do you not recognize that it's a cat or a dog yourself I think it's probably to keep it in focus when you're trying to take the picture. Um, I, I can't see that working with Maya, but um, does it work on all cats and dogs? It doesn't. There are, There's actually a list on a website which actually lists all the breeds. And is Maya's breed Maya's there? breed isn't there, no. Oh. You, you need to have a fairly generic-looking dog or cat if you want to detect its face. Well, don't all cats look like all cats and all dogs look like all dogs? No, they don't all look the same. No, I know they don't look the same. I can tell my own dog in a pack of 60. Pets but that... to a camera. Pets that cannot be easily detected include those that have dark patches around the eyes or the nose, too dark of a colour, wrinkled, long, thin faces or hair covering the eyes. So basically, if they look like a dog, yes. it's not going to recognise them. <laughs> the mayor's not impressed. Oh, what a story. I can't say I'm impressed. <laughs> no, I'm not. I saw a couple of the cats that it did recognise. I barely recognise those as cats. <laughs> <laughs> you know those um, is it Egyptian ones? Yeah. Yeah, they looked rather strange. But uh, yeah, so that apparently it recognises those. Not good, not good at all. We should tell that story about um, a pet owner recognises their own pets. And um, Before we got Maya, I, I loved the Samoyed breed. And um, we were driving along one day and we spotted a guy getting into a car with two dogs. And one was a Samoyed and the other was a German Shepherd. So we pulled up and said, oh, can we, you know, can we see, your, see your dog? And we, you might think that sounds strange, but that happens to us all the time now, doesn't it? It does. With people saying, can we see your dog? Oh, he's gorgeous. So um, we got chatting to this guy and uh, he was telling us all about his Samoyed. Gorgeous, gorgeous dog. And uh, a few months later, we, we got ours. And about three years, four years after that, it was a long, long time, we were in the vicinity of where we'd met this guy. And we were in a car park and Mayor was doing his usual, barking his sphericals off, to um, let people know that he was about, which he does all the time. And this lady was walking back to a car. She didn't see him. He was out of sight at the time. And she, she stopped and she listened and she said, so you've got a Samoyed then. She could actually tell that it was a Samoyed by the bark. So um, an owner can recognise their own dogs, can't they? Mm, but this uh, this camera can't. No, no, that's that's not going to work for me. I don't think. And, and if a Samoyed, so if it's got fur, it's not going to work. See that? Hence these cats being bold. Mm, true. Mm, no, that isn't going to work for me. I don't think. I'd like to see that in action though, just just for a laugh. But apart from that, I can't see it working. But talking of fighting, like cat and dog, we've had two weeks of lows and highs in the relationship between Steve Jobs. And Eric Schmidt. First, we had the supposed falling out. Followed this week by the making up. A rather public making up, I thought. 
Yeah, CEOs of companies like that, uh, would you really find them outside a cafe? Uh, yeah, if they're two guys looking for free publicity of their making up. <laughs> True. Anything for a photo shot. Well, it saves paying for it, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, yeah. I wonder which one of them called the media. Mmm. Mmm. Cynical. Eh, only slightly. <laughs> True. Truthful, though. Mmm. Anyway, something exciting from Adobe this week, wasn't there? Yep, they have announced that there is going to be a launch event on the 12th of April for Creative Suite 5. Mm. I mean, the event on the 12th is going to be an online demonstration of the new features. Hopefully they'll be announcing uh, the different versions of the suite available and what applications form part of those suites. And of course, the number one thing that's going to be interesting people is the pricing. Now, no one's ever happy with the pricing, but um, with the exchange rate as it is, I think we're going to be even less happy with the pricing. But having seen some of the features, you might buy it anyway. Um, but I will say they've not confirmed that that is the launch date. The last time they announced a launch event, it was at that event that they announced the launch date itself. And the usual lead time was about four weeks. So I'm not convinced that we're actually going to get our hands on CS5 that day. I think it could be just these are the sweet products, these are the applications, and you know, this is when it's coming. But John Knack, who is the principal product manager for Adobe Photoshop, has uh, said just before the announcement that now would be a good time to upgrade, especially if you're on CS1. And when you read the piece that he's written, it's all about uh, Adobe's stated policy of allowing upgrades uh, from two versions back. So once CS5's launched, you will not be able to upgrade uh, from CS1. So what he's suggesting is that you might want to upgrade now. Now, what I don't know is if you're on CS1 right now and you upgrade to CS4 and they've already announced CS5, do you get a free upgrade to CS5? Because if you did buy CS4 today, full product, I think you do. Once it's announced, they tend to say, right, well, from that date forward, you get a free update. So I don't know about that. And he didn't mention that. All he said was, hint, hint, it might be a good idea to upgrade. So um, we'll put a link to that and uh, people can go and have a look if they're on CS1. That, that should be very interesting for them. Um, this version's going to be the first version that's 64-bit on a Mac. So that's fantastic, especially on newer machines. And the feature causing lots and lots of interest and buzz is a feature called Content Aware Fill. CS4 launched with Content Aware Scaling. And that was a nice feature if you could get it to work, if, if your photograph kind of lent itself to the feature itself. This feature looks like it's going to have much more universal applicability. What you are able to do with it is to draw round elements within your image and press delete. And when you do, it fills the space in a content aware fashion. In other words, it looks at the remaining elements in the photo and tries to fill it in based on that. Um, there are lots of demonstrations online and if you've seen it in action, it looks amazing. So I think that is going to be a uh, number one feature for people. So many times you, you look at an image and you think, oh, I wish I could get rid of that. But if I get rid of it, what do I replace it with? I've actually seen people who sort of starting out on photo editing who decide to cover things up with other things rather than actually delete the first thing. So that feature, I think, is going to be the number one feature. But we are promised that they will be demonstrating lots of other very exciting features. So 12th of April, free online event. It's scheduled for half an hour, but the last one was a little bit longer. Uh, and I think last time was the time I had to relay the sound to you, wasn't it? It was, yes. That's you had pictures but no sound yeah. um, because you needed an updated flash player. So we might have to do that again. But uh, you can get more details of that by going to cs5launch.adobe.com. Uh, and I've already booked my place. I assume you have. I haven't. No, it's at, uh, isn't it a four o'clock hour time? Yes, eight o'clock uh, Pacific time. Mm. So four o'clock in the afternoon. I don't intend to be at work at that time. No, oh, so you're on your way back. Mm. Mm. But of course, now you can get an application. There's an app for that, you know. <laughs> yeah, You can get an Adobe Connect Pro um, application for your iPhone that should let you log in. Yes, officer. I was just watching the Logistics <laughs> 5. Yes, would you like to see it? There's an amazing feature <laughs> called Content Aware Phil. <laughs> no, I don't think that's going to work. Yeah, maybe not. Wait till you get home and watch the replay later. <laughs> ah, one thing I noticed uh, a couple of days ago when it was St. Patrick's Day was that I was using Amadeus Pro to edit some audio. And um, I did the old 
open the, the command and tab to get between my applications and I thought what is that the icon for I looked at it and um, it was a pipe and a shamrock cool and I thought what is that and then I thought oh the, the, the icon isn't there from a Deus Pro. And they had a special icon for just that day. Uh, the day after, it reverted to the other icon, the default icon. They must have actually programmed that in there like a little Easter egg, which I was very impressed with. <laughs> so obviously, I took a screenshot of that, <laughs> knowing full well that I, I my thinking was it's not going to be there tomorrow. So uh, that, that was worth seeing, actually. I thought that was very, very cool. And I did this, I'm going to categorise under Y of the Week. W-H-Y. Y of the Week. I didn't think it was possible to find other tech as questionable as pink tech. Yeah, but you managed it, didn't you? Oh, I certainly did. A microwavable duck. <laughs> yeah, what was all that about? I have no idea. I got an email from Play.com. Um, I've bought DVDs from them in the past and uh, other bits of tech. I have never bought a microwavable duck. I don't. I can't ever see the day I would want a microwavable duck. In fact, who would want a microwavable duck? I do I'm like eating to... duck, but uh, not a fluffy yes, one. Yes, but this this one was a stuffy. <laughs> it was a stuffy duck. Um, I presume it warmed up when you put it in the microwave. Yes, I it, think that was the intention. It gave off a lavender aroma. Right, See, I did read it. Really, I only got as far as the duck and thought, "What the? Yes, exactly. Yes, what the duck was that all about? I have no idea, but I think that's that's really sad, isn't it? It that is. is that is tech without a need for it at all. I mean, if you want an air freshener, buy one. <laughs> but don't think that the best way to fragrance your home is by stuffing a microwavable duck in a microwave. I can imagine what the food tastes like in the microwave after you extract this microwavable duck from it and its lovely lavender aroma. No, 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 no. That, that really is a tech no-no, absolutely. Is it worse than pink tech? No. No, I can't. I can't choose between them, really. <laughs> hey, at least the duck wasn't pink. Look at the bright side. It was duck coloured, but it's it's not good. I'm going to put a link so people can go and see it. Play will probably have lots of clicks on that and wonder what on earth they've done to get so much traffic to the microwavable duck page. If anybody buys one, I'm quite happy to play a review from you, of course. <laughs> but we will keep Gas. your identity. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep your identity hidden. Uh, not good, not good. Anyway, iPhone, iPhone, iPhone. 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 Well, after last week's story of apps being removed from the store, this week we have news of an expanding genre of apps. Apps of an adult nature. Weren't those the ones they were kicking out? Well, these are probably slipping through under the guise of being educational. But I can't argue with that. The screenshots were an education to me, all right. I'm just looking at this link. Crap. Really? <laughs> Craps.com. Yes, carry on. Extreme sex positions iPhone app. Yes, the things I find. <laughs> Why didn't I know about these apps? First I knew was reading these show notes. I've trained you better than to go looking for such content, dear boy. True, but um, it didn't stop me finding zits and pimples. No, I noticed that. Which was another app. Honestly, wasn't that the one... Then he put the price up. Yeah, Apple pulled um, the app from the store uh, because the developer publicly criticised the app store. Um, so he spoke for several minutes at a recent games developers conference saying that he absolutely effing hates the iPhone app store, compared it the iPhone gaming market to low-quality Tiger handheld platform of the 80s and 90s. Although the developer believes Apple pulled his pimple-popping app as zits and pimples due to his rant, the removal might also be related to the excessive pricing. And like you say, he kept raising the price all the way to $400 just to, as an experiment. But he was selling them. <laughs> yeah. Um, it reminds me of that uh, I Am Rich. Do you remember that one? Yeah, but they only sold one of those. I think he sold two or three at $400, did he? He did sell a few, yes. I mean, yes, somebody did actually buy it for $400. 14 people are said to have bought it when it was $299. People probably thought it was $2.99. I think so, yes, and, and four, $4.00. Do you know, that, that's really pushing for why of the week, isn't it? I think the duck just edges it, but only slightly. Yes. Oh, dear. Some of these apps are just pointless, aren't they? I know. But uh, also initially rejected, but allowed in after the usual furore, 
was Snow Tape, which is an application that allows you to make recordings um, onto your iPhone. Initially, they were told no. Um, apparently, apparently, somebody got in touch from the App Store as well and uh, tried explaining to them. But they made the point that there were other applications in the store that already allowed this offline storage of data. And um, just in the last couple of hours, it's now being allowed in. So, again, it looks like going public with your rejection means you'll get in. Yeah, it did look a good app, didn't it, that one? I think it's available for a desktop, isn't it? Mm. I've not actually tried it, I must admit. I have one of the others that allows you to do that, which is Fstream. Yeah, is that right one? that's the one. I, list, I use Fstream. But I believe Fstream will also allow you to make offline recordings. Not tried I think, that, actually. I think you can record. I've not tried it either. Um, I find it... Uh, on 3G, it's quite erratic. I, I will lose the connection. It's a good app when you're on Wi-Fi, though. It works very, very well. So all the people uh, initially who were saying that the iPhone needed a radio, to be honest, with the right software, you can get away with just software-based. Yeah. And maybe uh, Apple intend to listen more as uh, the App Store now has a Facebook wall. Obviously, that means very little to me. I'm so bad with Facebook. <laughs> but apparently... Maybe they might listen more. They're obviously going to uh, push information out. Hopefully they'll listen to what people write back on their wall. Another story that broke this week was uh, Apple banning protective screen films from the Apple Store. Now, uh, I've actually got one of these. I know you haven't, but uh, my iPhone fell on the pavement a while back, as we've discussed in the past. It cracked it, only down the bottom, and I actually bought one of these protective screen films to uh, to really just to try and keep the glass intact. <laughs> so yours is held together with a screen protector. <laughs> yes, it's a bit like Jack Duckworth and his sellotape glasses, isn't it? That'll really mean something to the foreign listenership. Jack Duckworth's glasses. <laughs> it's a bit like me when I said, um, here's one I blew petered earlier the other day at work to a, a worldwide audience of about 20 people. Oh, well, when they have you arrested, don't come crying to me. Mm. Um, I've never had a screen protector on it. I didn't think initially it needed it. Um, I thought, I'll see how it goes. And I've never found the need for it, and I have got no scratches or anything either. Um, I took a completely different tack with my father, um, and I put one on straight away. Uh, literally, I took his phone out of the box and slapped the screen protector on it. It had never been touched by human hands before the screen protector went on. Um, and he hasn't had any problems. Apparently, the logic behind it is that the geniuses are complaining that the screen protectors are um, stopping the phone functioning properly. And when you take them off, they're working OK. Now, I think that would only happen if you'd got bubbles under the protector, which could happen when you put them on if the screen's not perfectly clean and you're not putting them on properly. Um, now, he has had no problems with it not being responsive. So to me, it would be personal choice. You either put one on or you don't. I know the more modern phones, ours is a 3G. I know the 3GS has got that, is it oleophobic mm. coating on it where you're not supposed to need it. And my thinking on that would be if I had a 3GS, I'd be thinking, would it damage it? Would it damage this protective coating? Um, I can't see me putting one of those things on my phone ever. Um, I know you've got yours to hold it together, but you didn't have one on until you dropped it. No, but... Um... You know, even even if I hadn't dropped it, um, the the fact it it kind of um, protects it as well from the rain. You know, if I'm out walking the dog and I just want to tweet or something, rather than getting the the actual glass splattered with with rain, um, I just get the protector splattered with rain, which just makes it a little bit better in my mind, I think. I think it's in your mind, yes. I think it's in your mind that that's, that, that thinking's going on. Uh, because if it got wet in the... Because it doesn't cover up the um, speaker at the top no. nor the microphone at the bottom. So, you know, one big splot of rain on that and you, you could have had it then. True. It might have water damage. I don't know. I, I don't think screen... I mean, a screen protector implies scratches. Um, it may stop the... Well, it would stop the glass getting grease off your fingers, but then that would be because you're not touching the glass. Mm. So I, I honestly, with that, if you want to put one on, put one on. If you don't, don't. But you know, Apple clearly aren't happy about it. They're also stopping um, selling. So they're not supplying them. They're also stopping um, companies who provide a case and then free inside it, there is a screen protector. So I think that's going to become a bit more of a niche product after that. I personally don't think um, it protects it that much from anything other than just daily use. And don't they go yellow and start peeling off? I've not had any problems with mine, actually. 
Now I know on, on phones, uh, my father's always had stuff like that on his phone and they, they kind of crack and, and go yellow and then you've got to try and get it off and not damage what's underneath it because you're going to have to put another one on. So not for me, they're definitely not for me, but I know that you found a use for it. So it was either that or duct tape, I presume. Yeah. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on from iPhones to iPad, iPad, iPad. 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 Yes, I found something nice for my birthday. Really? Yes, you're listening. Mm. It's a diamond-encrusted iPad. A what? A diamond-encrusted <laughs> iPad. You're thinking this is the third option for a why of the week, aren't you? <laughs> and how much Actually, is that cost? I've no idea. I can't remember. <laughs> I was dazzled by the picture. I didn't actually think it looked that nice. I think it's just the fact that, you know, it's a diamond-encrusted iPad that made, made news with it. Let's have a look how much that was. Brace yourselves. Does it actually say? Oh, it does. Only $20,000. Oh, is that all? Yeah, oh. which is just slightly more than it would cost you to fly to New York and buy one. <laughs> so, uh, yes, a diamond-encrusted one. Actually, look at it. It doesn't look good, does it? Um, I, yes, I think I did see the picture. Yes. It, well, load it back up. 11.43 carats of diamonds on it. Handset in a micro-pave styling. That's micro-pave, not microwave. <laughs> Got the same way as the dog. It's not loading the page yes. for me, so I'll have to take your word for it, I think. It's not pretty. It really isn't pretty. Okay. So no, I think I will give that one a, a miss. Yeah. I'd rather fly to New York and get one. Well, I might be able to uh, to run to a camera connection kit for your birthday. Oh, for the iPad. does this mean that you, you're buying me an iPad, an iPad to put it on? Um, It depends if they turn up in time for your birthday, doesn't it? Uh, which one? <laughs> Good point. Yes, Apple's iPad camera connection kit finally appeared on the Apple Store website. The kit lets users download images from SD cards and digital cameras directly to their iPad and is set to ship near the end of April. Hopefully, by which time we might have had sight yes. or sound of an iPad in the UK. Mm. And... um. Maybe if you can run to the camera connection, you could get me some freebies. Yeah. Because um, Apple have uh, loaded up the iBook store with all the public domain titles they can get their hands on by the look of it, which I think is a great idea because I know with the iPhone, they were some of the first apps. I remember checking out the apps as they came into the store and so many of them, we, we know, uh, individual old classics. And they were charging for them as well because they were wrapping them in like a reader. So I think that that's a great idea as well. Uh, hopefully they'll head off stuff that's just free stuff in a, in a wrapper that, that people are charging for. And also related to um, books in the store, Kindle for Mac was released. Is it going to be a competitor? Uh, I've got no Kindle books, so I don't have a Kindle. I can't see me installing a piece of software um, without having the attendant device. So I know people who have Kindles and they really like them. But I can't see it working unless you've got a Kindle. And I know it's still a bit tricky to buy one in this country. It would be nice if it wasn't. But uh, as it stands, I can't see me getting much use out of that. What about you? No, I don't think so at all. I'm with you on that one. I've been buying books ready in Rediment for my iPad. But I've been buying uh, mostly from O'Reilly, where they are DRM-free. And they provide them in one of four formats. In fact, you can download all, all four formats if you like. Um, and PDF is one of them, and that's the one that I've been concentrating on. They also provide EPUB, which is going to be supported by the iPad. So I'm tending towards that at the moment, rather than going down another DRM route with uh, Kindle stuff. But as I said, I've heard from people who've got Kindles and they absolutely love them. So I uh, can't do any harm that it's there, just I, I don't think it's going to tempt me. Definitely not, I don't think. But I did see an application that, again, isn't really for me, but I like the look of it. And that was um, iPad Mixer. You have a look at that one? I had a quick look at it. It's not out yet, but it's for the... Well, obviously it's not out, it's for the iPad. Um, yeah, it looked really, really cool. I want it. I yeah, want it's to that play. Kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's just something that you might want to play with. It gives you um, two decks and you move, move the um, albums about with your fingers. So that looks a really cool use of it, to be honest. That DJ Thomas is in, in, in the house. Oh, good grief. <laughs> On the other hand, maybe not. <laughs> Oh, anyway, uh, it's too late now. If you're in uh, the America where they are shipping on the 3rd, new iPad orders will not ship until the 12th, which uh, is over a week later. So uh, you, you've missed the shipping deadline. I wouldn't mind if ours were shipping by the 12th, no. however. <laughs> but I can't see that, can you? No. 
I wonder when they will be out over here. I did read that they weren't even announcing the pricing until they shipped. And I thought, well, how on earth are you going to order something if you don't know the price? But then I remembered it was Apple and thought, well, that's quite quite reasonable then, really. <laughs> it's feasible, that, isn't it? It's more than feasible with Apple. So this week you were looking at some software that I thought looked quite nice, but I, I haven't seen it yet properly. I've seen a video. Yeah, it's called Bump Top. And what it does is it kind of turns your um, your desktop into a kind of, how shall I describe it? A 3D desktop, like a 3D room with walls. You mean a 3D dumping ground? 3D, yeah, well, 3D dumping ground, yes, that's a good explanation. Uh, so if you've got files on there and, and you've got notes, and it actually comes with sticky notes, but you know, you can get sticky notes apps anyway. Um, you can you can actually put the files against the walls, you can you can stack the files on top of each other. It is like having a three-dimensional desk. Uh, to be honest, having looked at the video, I thought that looks cool. And then having played with it, I didn't actually rate it. But I think that could be because I tend to keep my desktop clean anyway. Um, and also I could only get it to work with one monitor. So it was like a, a mini desktop, not a double desktop. Does the other desktop work in the normal way then? So if you drag something from the bump top desktop you can put it on the other yeah it just it just ended up on my other desktop on the normal that, that could give you the best of both worlds um if you actually liked the bump top bit i saw a video of it and i thought it looked very good um my problem is the same as you i don't have anything on my desktop anyway um i do put the odd thing there usually when i'm doing a demo literally so i can see it but apart from that my desktop's completely clear so i suppose this would be superfluous wouldn't it that's that was my thinking I think it would probably encourage me to dump more stuff on there, <laughs> which wouldn't be a good thing, I don't think. Um, I've got alternatives where I put... Um, there was one I, I was trying out um, on my old machine, so I'll have to try it again on my new one, called Barocchio. And that looked like it would work more how I would prefer to work. So uh, we'll have to look at that in, in a future show. Yeah. But no, I was quite... I like the idea. It's one of those things I like the idea of it. But going through my mind was, and how much will that slow down the machine? And I hadn't even, by that stage, got to the thought of what would it do with two monitors. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm probably with you. I can't see me trying that, but I, I, I like the idea. But there was talk a while back of Apple implementing something similar. Wasn't it known as the 3D desktop? I think so, yeah. Um, maybe for the next version, it, it, it was talking about a complete radical overhaul of the interface to OS X, and, and that was a concept. And I must admit, at the time, I thought, and how on earth would that work? Now I've seen Bump Top, I can see where they're going, but I think they'd have to allow it to be turned off for people who just do not like the, the idea of working that way. And um, I don't think it would work for me, but I do like the look of it. It's a, it's a nice idea, but again, I don't think I'll be implementing it. Now, before we go, um, the new iMac arrived and it saw another new arrival, didn't it? Oh, yes. Piggybacking on the iMac arrival. But you didn't do too badly out of it, did you? Um, yeah, you got the iMac and uh, I got the little uh, wireless keyboard that came with it. So I take that to work with me and use it with my uh, MacBook Pro, which is great. Um, but that's not all that came with it, is it? No. By stealth. A magic mouse managed to sneak into Matt Bikes headquarters this week. And said mouse is now christened Mickey the Matt Bikes magic mouse. So you're now converted. Andy will be pleased. Well, not quite. But Mickey has been making himself useful around the office, as you will be able to see on the show notes page. <laughs> uh, Andy and Gaz will both be after you now. They will when they see what's happened to Mickey. Uh, Andy and Gaz are going to hate this too. Prosthetics for the under-endowed magic mouse. <laughs> yeah, I know, have you seen it? <laughs> it's people who are saying that the magic mouse, whilst being aesthetically, the mouse is lovely. However, using it is a totally different business. And there's this, what can only be described as a carbuncle, um, attached to the back of the new mouse, supposedly to make it more comfortable in use. 
but I can't see anybody who loves the Magic Mouse being happy by the look of that thing. So I'll put that link in the show notes. If, if you're a Magic Mouse lover, you've got to see that. But uh, I'm sure Gaz and Andy have both said that it's very comfortable to use, that they like it as it is. Well, I'll bow to their judgment because I've not really used it. I've had a little play with it, but I don't think, you know, five minutes in the Apple Store, um, you can... Well, I think you made a decision, didn't you, after five minutes in the Apple Store? I did. I did try it when I got it back. Um, I was trying to scroll from side to side, as I seem to recall, and the thing nearly flew flying <laughs> across the desk. So, you know, it's still not for me. But it has been working hard this week, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Poor Mickey. He's been working hard. So I'm sure Mickey will be making many more appearances in various guises in his various jobs. But at the moment, one of them is not controlling my Mac. On to feedback and comments, and uh, from Hearty D, he said, uh, Hi Mike, I've just purchased a 3 MiFi unit. Works well where I don't get a 3G signal on the phone, and wondered if it would be um, any good for you. And well, we um, did, as we, we did try the 3 one, didn't we? We did try the 3 one. It was great everywhere, but where we needed <laughs> yes. it. Yes. Which was very sad. Yes, the Virgin But I have heard good. other people saying that it's very good where they are. I've also he heard yet more people saying, no, they can't get a signal where they are. So I think it just depends on the signal, to be honest. Yeah. And I don't think three have got the best coverage. So I think what we need to do, which I'm sure we mentioned before, is it would be great to be able to buy a pay-as-you-go SIM and just shove it in for data mm. wherever you are. And that way, um, at the moment, if you buy a three one, then you're, you're paying three. You then would have to pay out more money to, you'd have to pay to unlock it or unlock it for free. Then you'd have to get um, a data plan with somebody else. It would be far better to just have um, either one SIM that you can pay as you go on anywhere you like, or be able to go and buy a SIM that's virtually disposable just pay as you go for wherever you are that would be far better um, which is sort of what we're aiming for isn't it it is i think that's what i i would much 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 prefer so um it's lucky for hearty d he's got a great signal where he is so congratulations and congratulations to hearty d too for switching his in-laws no not switching as in changing them for another set um he switched them to a mac so congratulations there damien i'm really impressed and uh, an email from Christina this week. I think they should have a Barbie with a buzz cut. Now, you see, I think that would be rather cool. Um, she also put a link into a site um, full of Barbie dolls of various guises. And I think a buzz cut Barbie would be rather cool because it breaks some stereotypes rather than the pink Barbie, uh, the IT Barbie thing that just plays to stereotypes. So I like that idea. Do you know, you could buy one and do that, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah, you could. No, I'll only get into trouble. I'd get into trouble doing that. Well, that's it for another episode of MacBytes. So please keep the comments coming. And thanks for all the recent feedback on the website and via Twitter. You can contact us via the website or via email, macbytesukgmail.com. If you want to look at what we're up to, um, you can keep up to date with our Twitter feed at twitter.com slash macbytes. You can keep up to date with me at twitter.com slash thomasmike. And me at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. So, until next time, this has been Mike and Elaine bringing you MacBytes. See you next time. Goodbye and see you next time. I've just had a fabulous idea. A microwavable barber. <laughs> it's everything all rolled into one. It's perfect. I shall patent it and get it out for Christmas. Is that a why of the week? That could be a why of next week. <laughs> oh, dear me.